John O'Duncan here, and I've wheeled a mirror into PRL Studios to give off the impression that we're recording this in front of a live studio audience. Great idea, or a bit creepy? Big Al's thoughts after these musical messages. Progressive Rugby League Progressive Rugby League time, folks. Yes, John O'Duncan here, taking the first hit up and going awfully close to being bundled into touch and making up for it with a strong run and clever offload to get us back on the front foot is my pal, Big Al. Big pal? G'day, Big. How are you going? Uh, so I'm both of those things. I'm Big Al and I'm also your big pal. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Welcome um, to the show. Thank you very much. So just in response to the to the opener, mm. uh, we are sitting in front of a mirror right now to give the illusion of a live studio audience. Yeah. It wouldn't be so weird if you put your shirt back on. Other than that, <laughs> I think I like it. That's, okay. that's cool, yeah. We'll go with it then. So yeah. There we go. Look, what a weekend in rugby league. There's a lot to talk about. But before we get to our reflections, news just came through that uh, the one and only Cooper Cronk has announced... His retirement at the end of 2019, and before I get your thoughts on that, because mm. we've just literally had that news come to us right now, I want to reflect a bit on Cooper Cronk mm. and the fact that he's such an interesting character in his uninterestingness, if I could say that. You could see he, how he plays on the football field. He doesn't do anything overly exciting, but he's, it's his skill and precision that makes the run-of-the-mill just seems so interesting to watch. Like, it's, he's not interesting, but he's interesting. Like, some of the, the kicks I remember him doing in Origin, those landing on the dime numbers, some of the passes he's done for Billy Slater. So, just one of those things, because here at Progressive Rugby League, we love to see the ball being chucked around. And Cooper Cronk's not really known for that. He's known for, you know, playing the percentages, which we don't really find that interesting. But there's something about Cooper Cronk that is interesting in his uninterestingness. And even off the field, He's very much straight down the line, cliche after cliche, never says anything too controversial. But there's something about his character. He's a bit, he's a slight, you can tell he's slightly oddball, even though it doesn't come through. So, you know, I'd just like to salute Cooper Cronk. And I hope, one of my hopes is that he will use the word, because this is one of my predictions from last year, Real Politic in a post-game interview. And I'm still hoping, <laughs> I'm still hoping he'll do so before the end of 2019. Any thoughts on Cooper Cronk? Well, I think it's, it's he's, a, he's a fantastic player. Like, he's a, a wonderful player and a wonderful person. Like, I, I don't know him personally, but mm. from what I can see, like, he's, at least compared to a lot of other rugby league superstars, he's got quite a um, stand-up sort of character. Yeah. You know, he's got the, the wonderful romantic story of how he gave up life in Melbourne to, oh. to move to be with the woman that he loves because she'd already sacrificed so much for him. Yeah. He's the kind of player that it wouldn't surprise me if in, like, five years after retirement he released a book of poetry or something <laughs> like that. And these were poems that he'd written whilst a professional player, yes. like, reflecting on moments that he's just had. Um, on his, You're right with his quite uninteresting, I suppose, yet mm. he is also interesting. Fascinating when you compare him and say like someone like Cam Smith, who is also pretty uninteresting. Mm. Like he's even at, like off the field, he's probably even less interesting than Cooper <laughs> Cronk is. But people have people really have opinions about mm, Cameron Smith, yeah. right? No one really seems to think anything about Cooper Cronk other than hey, it's pretty good. He's a great player. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, nice guy. Great player. He seems pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah, which is a pretty good achievement after yeah. you know 12, 13 years in the in the public limelight. So yeah. you know Cooper Cronk, we salute you. See you later. Okay. And well, before we get onto reflections as well, 
I should say that we've got a very exciting interview coming up later on. It's with one Lois Forcell, English international and Leeds Rhino. So stay tuned for that. We'll get to that later on. All right. Why don't we get stuck in with some reflections? What you got for us, Big? So rugby league really makes you think, doesn't it? Yes. It makes me think all the time. Always keeps you on my toes. So over this last round of NRL action, I had a moment of personal reflection upon behavior mm. and acceptable behavior okay. and unacceptable behavior. And I'm not really quite sure how I'm going to relate this back to rugby league or, um, you know, make it at least a, a somewhat entertaining kind of reflection. But here we go. <laughs> okay. So on Thursday night, I watched the, the Tigers-Melbourne game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who don't know, uh, the Tigers, it's one of those games where the Tigers should have won. They were in control the whole game uh, and they lost by two points at the very end, 24 to 22. A typical Tigers number. Typical Tigers number. And if you listen to past reflections of mine, you might recall how I find watching any kind of Tigers game incredibly stressful. <laughs> incredibly stressful. I can't, you know, no lead is lot is big enough. Yeah. No defense is strong enough. They're going to crumble eventually. And it's, it's you know, I'm pacing and I'm squatting on the floor. And yeah. I, you know, I can't sit still, but I can't move all at the same time. Sweat patches. Sweat patches. It's, yeah. it's really awful. Mm. But I watched this game by myself at the pub. Yeah, and I was actually quite relaxed through the whole thing. Right, I didn't. I mean, it was. In, I was highly engaged on the match. Was it the alcohol? No, I wasn't even drinking or anything. Just no. sat down, had a nice steak. It was really, really quite a quite a wonderful Thursday night. Okay, um, bit of me time, bit of our time, <laughs> a bit of BA time. And so, I, yeah, I, no, I didn't have all the usual symptoms of tigers, you know, tigers itis that I get. Yeah, which you just spoke about. Didn't didn't come to me at all. And then I didn't really realize. And then after the game as well, I got all these text messages like, "Oh, are you okay? Oh, what's going on?" Because they all know what I'm like, right? Yeah. Thinking oh, I've probably caught up in a ball under my bed crying. Mm. And I think I realized that tigers games are only stressful for me when I'm in private and I know I can behave like a complete uh, lunatic. Whereas yes. in public, and this, this is at, like watching in public at the, at the pub or at a live game, mm-hmm. I'm an excellent fan. Like I accept all like mistakes that players make. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. You know, dud calls. I mean, I'm never anti-referee anyway, but dud calls. I'm like, ah, oh, we'll get him next time. Where, where, yeah, when like, defensive lapses, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, boys, shake it off. You can do better than that. What could have been? Whereas, sort of yeah, whereas... In private, like, I, I mean, I never yell at the players, but I, yeah. I you know, I yell to the heavens. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, like all this kind of stuff. And it's, I guess, it just says a lot about part of being a good functional human mm. is knowing when certain behaviors are allowed. I'm glad you brought this up because I do not drive a car anymore, but I used to. I have a license, but I don't own a car anymore. And one of the reasons why I was happy to get rid of my car. One, because it was a total heap of junk. It was so uncool. <laughs> and the other thing was, when I was by myself in a car, I would say the most awful things. <laughs> I would shock myself oh, God, to other drivers and just like, I'd let out all sorts of words. And I'd, I'd reflect afterwards going, that was not very good, John. Wow. How I'm shocked. You? I'm Absolutely. genuinely Shocked. I can't imagine you saying well, anything like that. Well, you're absolutely wrong. Get me behind a wheel right. in the car With by no myself. Then I just let rip. Yeah. And I was, anyone who cut me off, what the, do you think you're doing? <laughs> that sort of thing. And, you know, I didn't like living like that. So when it came to the point where I had an option to get rid of my car, I was more than happy to do so. Because yep. I could rid uh, myself of that personality trait. It's mm. still there somewhere dormant, but let's just keep it dormant. <laughs> if we may. Mm. All right, so great reflection. Thank you. Well done. My reflection. Well, did you know, Big Al, I'm in my mid-30s, hanging on to my mid-30s. What a time to be alive. At what what point do you let go of mid-30s and become late-30s? Well, you've got no choice once you hit 37. Right, okay, so that's it. 
I'm not there yet, ladies and gentlemen. And I thought I had long ago rid myself of FOMO, the fear of missing out. And like many teenagers and young adults, I was dogged by FOMO. Mm. I didn't know it at the time, of course. I thought it was normal to have my eyes constantly darting around and ears permanently open for a better offer, wondering if others were having a better time in another place (laughs) somewhere else. You'd never say no to any idea, offer or invitation, no matter how unpalatable it seemed at the time. What if it's the best night ever? I can't miss that. (laughs) And it took me probably over a decade to realize that that's a horrible way to live and and work my way out of that muck, racked with anxiety, living with a massive load or self-felt. And when I finally rid myself of FOMO, it was the most liberating moment of my life. Now, don't get me wrong, life has its ups and downs, but it's nice not to have that extra unnecessary weight on my admittedly broad shoulders. Anyway, so I'm feeling generally pretty content. And then Saturday, the 18th of May happens. (laughs) The most drool-generating day for a progressive rugby league fan, possibly in history. You had history made in Barcelona, Catalan versus Wigan. 32,000 fans at the new camp, 25% more than the previous record. And of course, you had the Battle of the Sweet Babies, Toronto Toulouse at the Summer Bash. And not to mention, of course, the America's Nines and the Rugby League World Cup qualifier. So all of a sudden, my eyes start to dart around again. I'm looking at my watch and pacing about. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be everywhere. <laughs> and I suppose the thing that actually saved me in the end was the realization that all these things were kind of happening at the same time in different places and that I couldn't be there. Even if I had the time and the resources, there was no way I could actually be in those places at once. So in the end, I eventually calmed down and enjoyed the ride from afar. But boy, I was having flashbacks to my youth thinking, I remember this feeling. And I don't like it much. <laughs> so <laughs> there's my reflection. FOMO. I had a bit. Yeah, I mean, I can't say. I, 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 I was watching as much as I could over the weekend. Mm. Boy, howdy, I also wish that I was there. So much that, like, I was also, I was planning a trip to the Summer Bash. Like, a, a, not a, just, like, no serious plans. Mm. But I was, you know, putting together, like, what ifs earlier on this year. And I and I was like, ah, oh, no, I won't do it. And now seeing what, mm. just seeing it on TV, I was like, Damn you, Big Al. <laughs> you should have got your stuff together. So you've got retrospective FOMO. Yeah. Absolutely. What's that? Oh, no, it's FOMO and deep, deep regret. It's oh, like right. it's, it's FOMO on top of regret. Horrible. Refomo. Yeah, Refomo. One more quick reflection mm. on the NRL. We talked last, or a couple of weeks ago, about the bounce back factor and the come down factor. I'm just thinking, what happens? What does it say about a team when you can't bounce back. Mm. And I'm thinking about the Panthers. When you fall flat. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. D- deflation. Deflation theory. Yeah. Because the Panthers obviously had a terrible loss to the Tigers uh, last week. And surely, when you lose to the Tigers, when you get thumped by the Tigers... Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Just watch where you're going with this. <laughs> That's a recipe for a bounce-back factor. It's at least a, de- a determination increaser. For an ascent. Yes. But... Another limp performance by the Panthers. Mm, and this wasn't time, just. This time against the Warriors at home, 30-10. to 10. So that really says something. When you can't even bounce back, that just really says, yeah, like we say, deflation. Yeah. You've, they are a flat, a flat basketball. Your confidence is absolutely shot. They've been punctured. It's quite, it's quite staggering. Mm. Worrying Thing, times yeah. for the Panthers. Good luck so to them. Strange things are afoot at the foot of the mountains. Absolutely. Okay. Look, let's get to the mailbag. It's, it's, a pretty, it. it's a pretty quick mailbag this week as we've got an interview to get to. Uh, but a quick shout out to Carsten from Switzerland, who incidentally was one of the lucky crew uh, to experience the Camp Nou in Barcelona over the weekend. 
He got in touch after our chat last week about the Challenge Cup and how he'd love to experience that one day. Speaking of FOMO, or Rafomo. <laughs> uh, well, Carsten pointed us to the day of the semi-finals, and jeez, it's going to be an incredible triple header on the 27th of July at Bolton's University of Bolton Stadium. The two men's Challenge Cup semi-finals plus the women's Challenge Cup final. And, of course, we are in the UK in late July, but... I think it's just after we oh, I was just panically, like, or panically, excitedly looking, trying to, like, writing down dates and looking at my calendar. Well, I mean, ask your boss. See if he, he can Ooh. extend your holiday. I mean, it's a cruel twist, but thank you for sharing that, Carsten. Gavin Wilsey of No Helmets Required fame once again tweeted us again to show his international rugby league chops. Uh, and he's thrown some shade your way, Big Al. Ah, because this time... What's he milking this time? <laughs> this time he's sporting a Lebanese jersey with an Italian rugby league hat. Very good. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty good. At the, uh, he was at the Greece-Norway Rugby League World Cup qualifier. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you're getting a lot of shade thrown your way by Gavin Willsey, also Phil Brown of Mascot Browns. But I think I know where you can get them. Because I've seen them wear some pretty cool jerseys and some pretty cool hats, but I have not seen them wear shorts. I mean, you've got about 45 different pairs of rugby league shorts, and I think you can get them. All right. On the shorts. Okay, so I wear shorts as as pants and like a shorts also on top, like a tank top. Sh- like <laughs> cut a cut a hole for the head in the in the yeah. crotch and arms out the sleeves. That's where you can arms get out the, the legs. Okay. And maybe for as a hat or a bandana as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, good luck. All right. Elsewhere, I reflected over the weekend that I've often stated, exasperated, that I'm never tipping the Warriors again, <laughs> the New Zealand Warriors, and that whenever I say that, they begin winning again. Now, Dean Taylor from Auckland politely asked that I keep my word this time around. Uh, the lads from the Chasing Kangaroos podcast also asked if I could say something similar for the Dragons, as they are Dragons fans. So I just thought to myself, does anyone else have any other requests? I'm mean, happy to, <laughs> you know, Leeds fans, for instance, London, send your requests to I'm never tipping dot, dot, dot again, <laughs> care of dot, 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 dot. Anyway, we also got correspondence from one Laurent Garnier, Oh, what yes. a name. He is the Australian correspondent for Rugby Pack, for the Rugby Pack show on BN Sports in France. Uh, also, the Trier's Mondial and Instinct Rugby magazines. He said, love the podcast, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, if you ever need any info on the French competition or Catalans or any French pronunciations, let me know. Does that mean we're pronouncing a lot of things wrong? There might. That- <laughs> I think there's a good chance of that. <laughs> How embarrassing. So, look, we may just... Take you up on that, Laurent, so thank you very much for getting in touch. Uh, meanwhile, a new listener from Sydney by the name of Koo Jean, that's C-O-O-G-E-N-E, so we'll call you Jean. Uh, he asked when the deadline is for the competition to win an I'm a Progressive Rugby League Friend of the Show t-shirt. Uh, well, it closes when, or more likely if, anyone decides to enter. <laughs> yeah. So if that the first entry wins, is that what you're calling? Well, I mean, it's got to be hard. It's got to have well, a false setup. Yeah, so uh, all entries received before, well, what round are we at now? Round 10. Round 10, 2034. <laughs> and of course, if for those who don't know, we're giving away a rare out-of-print t-shirt to someone who sends us a recording of their version of the French-Canadian Rugby League update theme song. So that is the mailbag. And speaking of the French-Canadian Rugby League theme song. Mm, what about it? Slugger Gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French Canadian Rugby 13s. Very good. So, as I said, you have to do a falsetto. Yeah. So, what if they do like a um, no spoken word or 
beatbox style. You can do that, but as long yeah. as there's a falsetto in there. It's in it there can somewhere. be the backing track, the backing vocal. But yeah. uh, anyway, do your yeah. best, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. Well, look forward to hearing some entries. All right, let's get into the international update. So we've already lamented the fact that we weren't there at the new camp to oh. see Catalan uh, defeat Wigan 33-16. So we've, you know, as progressive rugby league fans, this game had everything that mm. we basically love about this game. So break it all down. This is a game played between a northern English town and a southern French town in Spain, mm. representing a people who believe they've been denied their cultural identity. <laughs> so, and the game is being played in Spain as a celebration of an of the iconic Challenge Cup victory. So mm. basically, this game was played as a form of civil protest to stamp the uh, the independent the fight for independence for the Catalonian people. <laughs> Put it on the world stage. That's right. Uh, which really harks back to the beginning of rugby league at the beginning anyway. Well, it was yeah. a form of protest, wasn't it? Against mm. oppressed workers. So Absolutely. Rugby league delivers yet again in historic, uh, in his, an historic way. So things I loved about this game, outside of the result, uh, I believe it was the Catalonian national anthem they, they sung at the beginning. I think they play that at the start of every Catalan game. Oh, yes, do they? Oh, all right. Quite well, a stirring yeah, number. That's, that's good. And then um, the big Independencia banner in the stands. Mm. Um there was a, a, a tribute to a past player, a mm-hmm. player that had passed. It was a minute's applause, not a uh, minute's silence, all that. all that sort of stuff. And then it was a pretty high-energy, high-quality game um, with a, a rousing Catalan's win, so I mm. really liked it. Well, I, I would say it was a decent game in the end. I remember watching the first 15 minutes and just with my head in my hands a bit going, oh, this is just not a good game at, at all because you really want this sort of celebration to be reflected in on the field mm. with a you know, a sparkling performance from both teams. And in those first 10 or 15 minutes, it was pretty diet, a lot of drop ball. Uh, yeah, that's just nerves. Of, I know, I know. Just nerves, just like a feeling out period. But you want to show, like, the, the new people who've rocked up to yeah. see what this rugby league is about. You want to show them something special, and those first 10 minutes were a bit shocking. Mm. But, luckily, uh, the game warmed up a bit, and yeah. I think the second half there was some, some nice tries and and even at the end of the first half there was some decent rugby league so for me the, the star of that game mm. uh, was Sam Cassiano I yes. think everything he did like carry, just the, even the way he carried the ball Absolutely. like it was a loaf of bread but like <laughs> hit hit a tackle and then he'd like sort of flip underneath and chuck the ball up yeah. or throw it over people's heads it was it was good stuff yeah when he vintage. came on yeah. it really changed the dynamic of the <laughs> yeah. game I totally agree something else I liked in the post game was an interview with Steve McNamara the Catalan coach who was talking about how it wasn't just taking it away from their home it was taking them to another part of their home because as the name suggests they represent the catalan region and catalonia really there is such an upside to this and so much potential obviously perpignan is where catalan play their games which is a relatively small city of a hundred thousand roughly barcelona on the other hand it's pretty big it's a pretty big <laughs> city so i mean hopefully they can go back and make it an annual occurrence and who knows that maybe they can play a couple of games a year there one day in the future. So, um, what an occasion. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, the official crowd was what, 33,000? Uh, 31,555. And our predictions were. In the 40s. In the 40s. Me. I think I had 42 and you had 44,167 yeah, or something. I think we were misled slightly by. I heard earlier, like a couple of weeks ago, that they'd already sold 30,000. Yeah, I heard pre sales were 30,000, yeah, at least a couple of weeks ago. So, I think we were misled slightly. But yeah. either way, it was a fantastic crowd, fantastic occasion. Yeah. What else we got? Back over on uh, the London side, London have notched up a much-needed win against Wakefield, 42-34. to Yes. Now, that's a very championship-style uh, scoreline there. So, well, we all know London desperately needed to get this win um, just to get back that winning feeling. It doesn't yeah. take them off the bottom of the table, but it does give them that, uh, that winning feeling and sees them locked 
uh, in a three-way battle at the foot, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, with Leeds and Hull KR. Mm. Um, but this game was, I mean, you get the scoreline, it was high scoring. Uh, London scored, uh, by my count, five tries in the first half to one. Yes. Uh, and then in the second half, another three tries back to back to back. <laughs> And then Wakefield scored five tries unanswered to, to close the gap. It was a, That's I mean, defence wasn't really a, a, a showing, but... Uh... It's got to be a record for number of consolation tries. <laughs> five consolation yeah. tries. Yeah, do you think at any point Wakefield thought, like, we might, we're, we're a chance to win this? Because not... they were so far behind for so long. Yeah, I'm and... not sure it was ever mathematically possible, but... Um... Yeah. Like what would like and maybe that's that just says a lot about like why they scored so many because London knew they couldn't lose so didn't really think Perhaps. about but it was I mean they just it was just an avalanche of tries for Wakefield at the very end so and of course London beat Wakefield at the start of the Super League campaign so hmm. they've beaten them twice so far this year and Wakefield are a decent team yeah right they're no easy beats they're yeah. sitting sitting six at the moment so a, a really really good result um, and of course a highly progressive passages of play because mm. there was no defence at all so there was pure <laughs> chucking it around it was very it was entertaining a lot, of, a lot of very entertaining indeed and four tries from Jordan Abdul which oh, is uh, quite an effort from the halfback yeah, so, there yeah good stuff alright so we'll move on to the ladder so we've got Catalan in third place mm. plus two in the new how two points ahead of fifth place two points ahead of fifth place and if you look right down the other end of the table London they are currently last on 12th place uh, eight points and we'll say negative two mm. away from well from where they need to be so uh, like I said before, they're locked in a three-way a three-way battle for last, well, to avoid last place at the moment, yep. and that comes to a head next weekend. Oof. Magic weekend, London playing Leeds. What a uh, massive game! Yeah. Now we spent some time talking about Leeds last week and the, the mess that they're in. Yeah. Um, much like the Penrith Panthers, there was no bounce back factor for them yeah. as well. They just lost what thirty to eight to Castleford. Yeah. What 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 do Leeds do? I'm like, not I mean, sure what like, do. we didn't come up with any answers last week, but well, maybe rehire David Furnow. <laughs> Is it too late? <laughs> I mean, he had some sort of plan, okay? It wasn't working to perfection, mm. but maybe bring him back. Yeah. Don't, don't be too proud. It's uh, it's really shocking what's going on. And I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I obviously want either Toulouse or Toronto to be promoted, mm. and I want London to stay. Sure. I, don't really want, um, I don't really want anyone to get relegated, actually. Well, so. luckily, we're implementing our unlimited <laughs> promotion system where two teams get promoted every single year <laughs> until we reach... Maximum. Maximum. Plus. What happened in the championship, friend? Okay, so championship-wise, well, we all know we had the Summer Bash going on. So yes. Summer Bash, which is this, we spoke about May 18 being the festival of rugby league. Mm. Um, and the Summer Bash opened with two of the strongest, the two strongest teams, the two PRL babies of the championship playing each other. Um, so Toronto playing Toulouse. Toronto with a pretty decent win here, 42-14. to 14. Mm. So watching this one, actually one thing we should note, that the Summer Bash was extensively broadcast in Australia, mm, which yeah. is rare. So it was a very good weekend for the uh, for the Progressive Rugby League fan. In Australia, absolutely. Yeah. So watching this one, I wasn't... I thought Toronto were dominant for most of the time, yep. I thought. Um, there was uh, a lot of drop balls in the first 10 minutes. I really think Toulouse... I don't know if they, they panicked or... They weren't prepared for what kind of game it was, but I thought the half, the Toulouse halfback had some pretty poor options mm. in the first like ten to 15, the first opening twenty minutes. I'd Stand say actually, Robin. yeah. And I don't really know. Um, I haven't been following Toulouse as closely as you have, John, in the confines of your toilet. So I don't know if, if he just had an off game or or whatever. Yeah, but I just thought some some pretty poor fifth tackle options. Uh, there was a bit of heat in this one, so towards the end, some fight, some of the forwards fired up. Mm. Um, no punches thrown, of course, but just showed there was a bit of a bit of feeling to it. My heart, the highlight for me, because the result was relatively disappointing, uh, mm. was the shots of the Toulouse coach on the sideline yeah. looking tense. That's oh right. boy, what a Do tense it. character. Yeah, he does the uh, Sylvain Hulas. He does yeah. the uh, chin stroke very yeah, well. And he the certainly sort of, does. The glare from, you know, over the glasses sort of style. Yeah. For me, Toronto Wolfpack, they were just dominant physically. 
Uh, they looked pretty sharp with the ball. And to be fair, we've we've criticised Josh McCone in the past about his lack of creativity. Yeah. But he was pretty good and pretty creative yeah. on the weekend, including setting up a try by instigating a runaround, which I thought, yes, that's fantastic. I'd love to see the runaround. <laughs> a bit more of that, hey? Now, the other thing is, you're reminded at a game like this, the Toronto forward pack is so much bigger than most forward packs, including especially the Toulouse forward pack. They were tiny in comparison, really. And I think, you know, in terms of the options taken by the Toulouse players, when you're getting dominated physically, it becomes pretty hard for the halves, obviously. And I think the Toulouse style of play, to beat a team like Toronto, obviously they need to run a big forward pack around, which requires a lot of ball movement. So there's a bit of risk involved. So you really have to strike the perfect balancing act between, you know, chucking it around and moving forward because mm. it's a high-risk game. And so if you start a couple of passes go to the ground, then you're in big trouble. And that's basically what happened to Toulouse. Toronto were just rolling over the top of them and they couldn't be stopped. Mm. I mean, Toulouse online defence wasn't too bad. I mean, they saved a couple of tries. There could have been a few more. There's a couple of held-ups and they stopped a couple of tries right on the line. But really, it was the battle of the field position yeah. where Toronto just dominated. It, it kind of reminded me of the, the 2006 Tigers playing basically anyone. Like, because the, the 2005 Tigers had taken everybody by mm. surprise by playing this really expansive open style of football, yeah. very light in the forwards, and yeah. they, they chucked it around and they won a premiership. Mm. Hooray. And then the next season, everybody worked out, oh, like how to defend against that, which didn't take much. Yeah. Um, and then the Tigers really struggled for the whole, well, for every every game since then, basically. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely, it wasn't the game that I hoped it to be, but still. There you have it. Yeah, I think in the hunger stakes, though, for Toronto, I think it wet the appetite, which is oh, pretty good. So yeah. and that's what we want. Toronto's got to stay hungry. So we'll move on to the ladder. Toronto, first place, 26 points, plus eight. Mm. And Toulouse, second place, 20 points, plus two. Mm. Well, there are six teams, actually, within two points uh, from third to eighth place uh, in that championship ladder. So as usual, it's just a logjam yep. in championship stakes. Look, elsewhere, I read a headline during the week that the Catalan Dragons and Toronto Wolfpack are battling for Sonny Bill Williams's signature. I mean, that headline... That gave me shivers. <laughs> Isn't that what... Can we add Toulouse Olympic to that headline? That would, just, that would end me. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Really? I, don't, I mean, Sonny Bill's a good, a good player and everything, but he's a, he, he abandoned the game. And, um, but then he came back to the game and won a premiership. Yeah, with the Roosters. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, but he could... It, can you imagine how big he would be? Especially, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. From a marketing perspective, I, that, that, I, I take that back. In, uh, Fran- he, in France, especially. Yeah. In the south of France, because he played rugby in France for a couple of years as well, and is a massive worldwide figure. So, yeah. gosh, can you imagine? What else you got for us, big fella? Uh, so, again, the weekend of the 18th slash 19th of May, the International Rugby League rained down from the sky. So we spoke earlier, uh, well, a couple of episodes ago, about the uh, Rugby League World Cup qualifying match between Greece and Norway. Mm. So Greece have come off uh, as victors in that, 56 to 26. So mm. they will, well, that means Norway will now not feature in the in Rugby League World Cup 2021. And Greece advanced to the European qualifying playoff with uh, in a, a pool-style system, a round-robin-style format, with Scotland and Russia. Oh, fantastic. So one of these teams will uh, go on to qualify. I saw a bit of that game, and look, Greece were clearly superior, but Norway, you know, they obviously new to Rugby League, and physically they were pretty strong. A couple of huge hits and some 
big fellas in the forwards. And the second half, I think they were losing 30-odd nil at halftime. Second half, they scored hey, a bunch of points. That's so a comeback. Good on them. Yeah, that's a comeback. Yeah, so good stuff there. Uh, further over in uh, Canada at Lamport Stadium, mm. home of the Orange Toronto Wolfpack, we had the America Rugby League Nines tournament. So uh, USA defeated Canada 20-8 to to be the victors in that. So that's Canada finishing... Uh, sorry, USA finishing first, Canada mm. finishing second. And in the third place playoff, Jamaica defeated the Latin Heat 34-4. So that gives us uh, USA number one, Canada two, Jamaica three, Latin Heat four. Uh, and also as part of that day, there was a tri-series, uh, which Canada, the women, sorry, um, mm-hmm. which Canada won as well. So good, oh, wow. good things there for uh, women's rugby league in Canada. Staying with the women's game, yeah. we also had an international uh, Italy versus Turkey played yes. in Istanbul, in which Turkey won 18-14. And this was Turkey's international debut mm. on the rugby league scene. Wow. So well done to the women's teams for both of those countries. And another fantastic French-Canadian international rugby league update. Thank you now, very much. while we're on the women's game, it's time to introduce our interview for the week. And it's with one Lois Forcell. And she gave us an update on her injury, also spoke about international rugby league and the 2019 season. And also an interesting story about her one and only red card in a rugby league match. So stay tuned. Progressive Rugby League. Okay, let's do this. Uh, Well, the Women's Super League has been going since 2017 and no name has made more of an indelible mark on the competition than Lois Forcell. Lois was part of the Bradford Bulls team that swept the treble in Super League's inaugural season, and she was player of the match in the grand final. She then joined the newly formed Leeds Rhinos in 2018 as captain and led them to the Challenge Cup and League Leaders' Shield. A late-season ACL injury robbed her of her chance at another treble, and in the end, Leeds lost out in the grand final to Wigan. And while Lois's ACL has kept her out of action so far in 2019, she's been far from idle keeping busy in her dual roles as development officer at the Leeds Rhinos Foundation and at the RFL as the RFL's women's ambassador. She's also successfully moonlighted all over the media landscape on august platforms like Sky Sports and The Beeb. That's very impressive and in good news for Lois, she's about to remedy the only minor but glaring omission in her wonderful CB by joining the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Lois, hello. Hello, nice to speak to you. Yeah, likewise. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It's um, sunny in, in England for a change, so I'm sat in the garden. Lovely. Enjoying a bit of the sun before I go, go, to, uh, go to school this morning. Fantastic. Now, um, you're obviously joining us from Leeds, and can we start off with you giving us an update on your injury, Lois? Um, yeah, so playing against St Helens in September last year, um, I think it was again for the semi-final, actually, Yeah. Um, against Catherford, and um, to get to the grand final, I um, I yeah, I snapped my ACL, um, which is just it's just one of those things. Injuries, mm, yeah. plenty of players have them and and get back from them, and, and I will, but it's just taking a bit of time because I had a little bit of a setback. So following the surgery, I got um, an infection in my femur, so I got bone a bone infection after myelitis, which is not ideal. So that 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 kind of put a spin on things, and I had to have um, you know further surgery to, to remedy that and antibiotic treatment to a client so I had quite a bit of time off my feet sort of earlier this year sort of January to, to March but um, back in about with the girls now and, and, and back in training and just working on my rehab and I've got an appointment in three weeks for the surgeon to see what the next next sort of um, phase is for me so there'll be more surgery but 
that's just all the little things that I've got to tick off before getting getting back on the field really so mm. three weeks of hard work before I speak to the surgeon and, and have a bit more of a firm plan from there fantastic well good luck with it all um, now Lois we Thank like you. to start these chats by getting to know our guests rugby league story so how did you get into rugby league okay, okay. Uh, did you fall for the game or um, did it choose you um, I, I was um new to the game so I was probably about seven or eight years old and I was actually playing um, footy or soccer mm-hmm. as you guys are, are call it um, over and off yeah. um, and my brother played my brother played rugby so I went to pick him up after training I'd finished training my mum took me to pick him up and then they just had I think they were playing shorts for a, a small sided game they were playing with the said do you want to join in and I was quite sporty so you know any any opportunity to get involved in, in any sort of game sport mm. I, was pre- I was pretty uh, happy to do so, so I joined in and then fell in love with the game ever, ever, ever since that and continued to play rugby at, at East Leeds, which is a, a local club in, in, in Leeds where players like um, Danny Maguire, mm. Clarkson and Richie Mavis um, all played. So I was I was lucky enough that I um, played there for probably you know, five, six years until I had to move to an all-girls team uh, and then moved over to a different part of the city uh, in South Leeds and played for an all girls team over there conference but it's just it's just progressed since there so ever ever since I uh, I, I was at I was at Huntslet until I was 16, 17 and playing open edge rugby the, the opportunity was coming about to, to look at performance performance level rugby and the team that I was playing for over there the women's team basically got an option of whether they stayed up in a, in a higher league or went down a division and the players that were there at a the time wanted to probably have more social and um more social and less competitive standard of rugby and they understood when I said that that wasn't something that I was looking for that I was going to have to move on um, to play in that in that top top tier that that I did and at the time there was a team called Featherstone Rovers who were winning all the silverware and uh, you know a few of the girls went there but I um, I chose to go to Bradford because not really they weren't really doing they were always up there in the top two or three but they're not not really established themselves and I moved there and played there for five or six years. In the last two years, they moved and they changed from a community club to, to be a Super League-backed club with mm-hmm. um, Bradford Bulls. And in that in that second year with the Bulls, we, we managed to do the treble. But before that, it had been many, many years of um, always being the bridesmaid and never the bride at, at big finals and always being one of those. So it was um, a great way to sign out, really, because that was the first real sort of silverware we won that, won that year mm. in, the, in the five or six years that I'd been at Bradford. Fantastic. Now, Lois, as I mentioned at the top, you've played a significant role in the Women's Super League since its inception. Uh, from your unique vantage point as a player, ambassador and development officer, how has the game and the competition been tracking? Um, the past couple of years have been um, absolutely massive and I think you know we've always got to, to look back and pay um, thanks to the people who've kind of paved that way for us, so the players who've played before us and the coaches and the the women and men who have been influential in getting us to this point, but the last couple of years has, has been a massive change. I think we've seen a massive, you know, change in the tide for women's sport in general. Mm-hmm. But rugby league hasn't kind of missed out on that on that leap. It's, it's been at the forefront, and I think the increased media profile, the increased backing of of, of super league and championship standard standard clubs with that status, has brought another fan base, and it's brought an edge of professionalism because you can't do what you want to do. You've got to you know be in line with the club policies and uh, the team the team ethos at, at those clubs. So um, it's certainly the women's super league has meant that professionalism has been been raised. The increase in in fan base and so, social media and, and media awareness has meant that 
more people actually get to see the game and, and once they see the game then they kind of get hooked and get a bit of interest and it just gets people talking so you know I think it's been massive and in the respect of ice tracking we've still got a lot to do before the 2021 World Cup it's on home soil and you know we want to make sure that we're ready for the likes of the the, the Jewelrys and the, uh, the Kiwi fans coming over but we're going in the right direction and we're just trying to make sure that we're getting as much competitive rugby in on, on that on that pathway to 2021. Mm. Now, we'll get to the international game shortly, but first, I uh, just wonder if you could give us an insight into the 2019 Women's Super League competition that's in, unfolding before our eyes. We're almost, uh, I don't know, a third of the way through the season and Castleford looked the goods at the moment. Um, has anything surprised you so far? Maybe I think we all knew that the kind of there's kind of a, a core of teams at the top who you won't, you won't know are always going to compete and are always going to be great and mm-hmm. um, you know that that's no surprise this year. Uh, I think we're going into round five at, at the moment and the next game that people will play is a Challenge Cup, so that's where it gets interesting because okay. I don't know if you've seen um, the results from the men's Challenge Cup. Any, anything mm. can happen in the cup, and <laughs> um, everyone will be out to, to to get that trophy. Obviously, Leeds looking to return it, but. Um, you know, the big game this this year this year so far was the cat and the Saints game last weekend and speaking to some of the, some of the girls Saints, you know, I felt that, you know, the scoreline could go either way and they were a bit disappointed in some, some parts of, of the game but they think that they'll do a, they'll turn them over next time when they play on, on home turf. So okay. I think Cass and Saints are certainly they're battling. I think we're we're finding our stride a little bit at least, you know, going into into the season and that's something that, you know, we, we spoke about from the start. Yeah. So, Yeah, well, York City Knights are our team. We've uh, we've chosen York as our team, so very excited to see if they can snag a win sometime this year. Now, like I mentioned, you're not only a wonderful player for your club, but you've represented your country, England, you know, around 20 times, I think. Now, I read, Lois, that you were sent off in your debut test match in New Zealand at the age of 19. Uh, this can't be true, can it? Truth comes out. You, you deserve reparations. I know, yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's still going to be on my record, and you know, I'm not going to live with it. But um, yeah, I didn't. One of those things. <laughs> I've, I've not, I've, I've not had another yellow card or red card ever since. So okay. Shows, but 
There you go. I'm not, I'm not that kind of player. <laughs> we, we believe you for sure. Now, you were part of the England team. <laughs> you were part of the England team that were semi-finalists in the 2017 Rugby League World Cup in Australia. Uh, just wondering what that experience yep. was like. And, and there seems to be a fair gap between Australia, New Zealand and the rest. What do, do England have to do to bridge that gap? highlight of my career and um, World Cups are something special um, you know you never forget them I've played in the one in England and then the one in Australia were just amazing and Australia you know a place I've never visited and mm. you know so I'm really really lucky that rugby's taken me on these journeys that's allowed me to see the world and I think that's the, the magical thing about sport but yeah Australia was amazing just to see the different way of life obviously it's very different out there um, the weather just the, just you know the longer days and how big sport mm. is and not just rugby, it's, it's, you know, obviously that's our national sport and that's something that's different to us, us over here. You know, mm. We're still trying to build rugby and get more more, more people playing, yeah. whereas it's, you've already got that established in Australia and we're, we're getting on with that and I think that the, in, the Women's Super League has meant that there's now more women than girls playing than ever before, so that's, that's great for, for the international game because at the end of the day, you just need to um, challenge everyone who's in that national player pool by having more high-quality players and that's what we're pushing for. Yep, fair and, enough. Um, we're good, obviously, the way we went out of the, the competition, but um, just building ahead, it's about having as many players as we can, challenging at the highest level um, to have a, a big player pool. And I think that's what um, Australia and, and New Zealand have got, is think maybe more women playing that yeah. makes it challenge. Now, Lois, um, you probably have followed developments in the NRLW in Australia, so I was just wondering... Would you ever consider trialling for an NRLW team one day in the future, like some of your male counterparts do, and come out to the NRL? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it, and for me, if the opportunity came up and it was the, the right time in, in my career and in you know in in my in my where my team are at, I think that I was quite keen that I'm I'm really keen on championing the women's game over here in, in England and making sure that we're in a, a great position for 2021 and and building for those girls coming through in the future so that. You know, they get to play in a game that's absolutely outstanding and, you know, pushing boundaries, whereas, you know, we're probably champion at, the, at this, this lower end to make sure that the game gets to the point where, you know, we're all really proud to see how far it's come. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely something that I'd consider. I'm, I'm quite a home bird. I love, I love Leeds and I love England. So sure. it'd have to be in the times right and <laughs> look at the time scale because I, I, um, I do love, love home. But um, I think that, you know, the chance to challenge yourself in a in a great environment where you know I watched a lot of the games last year and mm. um, saw the final and things like that. It was such a great standard and to play in stadiums that they played in and in, in games as intense as they are. It'd be um, it'd be absolutely awesome and yeah, something that I'd definitely consider at some point in my career. Okay, well if you do decide, let us know because because we know people and we'll uh, actually we don't know any people. <laughs> we know no people. Who's your team then? Who's your team? In, uh, the, in, I'm, the, women's in the women's league, I, I'm probably a Warriors a Warriors fan in the women's league, but I'm a Parramatta yes. Eels fan in the in the men's league, and they don't have a women's team yet. So I'd go the Warriors because we're internationalists. Oh, okay. Not yet, not yet, not yet exactly. Now, Lois, uh, <laughs> one of the three pillars of Progressive Rugby League is life is short, chuck it around, entertain us. What pillars or ethos do you try to instill into the teams that you play in? For me, it's, um, well, obviously, firstly, you've got to have fun. If you're not having fun, you're not, you know, there's no point in being there. So just, 
but just enjoy it. So for me, there's nothing better than the banter of your mates. Uh, even though I'm injured at the moment, I love being around the team, just going yeah. on the team bus for the weekend to go away fixtures. It's Great. honestly, it brights up your weekend with some of the stuff that the girls come out with. Fun. So <laughs> for me, it's just, you know, enjoy it, enjoy the game, enjoy the people that are, that you're around because some of the people that you meet in rugby league will be um, friends for life and, and some of the best people that you'll meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one for me, my teammates probably agree, is you just got to compete and be competitive. I am the most competitive person probably ever, and <laughs> I hate losing. Um, I don't mind losing if everyone's you know tried the best, and it's all gone out on that on that pitch. But for me, you've just got to compete and make sure you're up there. You know, every player, every kick, every pass. Yeah. Um, and I just love that that competitive side. That's what that's what I'm missing at the moment. Um, just getting out there and challenging yourself against the, the, the best and against the other teams but, but that's it really for me just compete and enjoy it and like yep. I said the biggest one is sometimes the, the mates that you meet through rugby and uh, it'll be it'll be mates for life and it, it just it just brings um, you know a great great part to your week whether that's at training on the match bus on the pitch so yeah just compete and, and have fun Sounds like a, an idyllic environment there at Leeds Rhinos Women now <laughs> Yeah, there's some characters. <laughs> Actually, that's another one of our pillars of rugby league. Rugby league's a funny game, so you kind of got two out of three pillars there, which is great. Now, uh, <laughs> we love rugby league for the on-field action, but also its inclusive nature, its community spirit, and how it, you know, well, improves lives. So, what what kind of difference can you yeah, see definitely. the growth? What kind of difference can you see the growth of the women's super league make on? girls and women in rugby league towns across the north of England? Um, it's, it's massive. So my day job is, is going to schools and trying to get girls to play rugby. And mm. Before it was always play rugby because, you know, you could yeah. play for England because you never had that, 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 you know, that other step in between because you can be like, yeah, I went for Leeds and it, we're all Leeds Rhinos men, but the girls can't really relate to that. So the mm. fact that, you know, teams like Wigan, Helen, York, Wakefield, have all got teams now. When you go into schools, you can be, you know, play rugby you could be the next you know Hannah Butcher at, at Leeds Caitlin Beavers or you know the next Jodie Cunningham at, at St Helens and mm-hmm. that, that's now making a massive difference but the, the inclusivity is, is probably um, what I use as our biggest tool I think you know certainly at the at the community level um, by which you know I'm not as as, as professional as the, as the Super League and international game is you've got 17 players in your squad or however many players in your squad but nobody is the same Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can be fast, you can be slow, you can be um, good at kicking, uh, you know, you can be tall, you can be short, any body type, any sort of characteristics, you can bring something to the game, you know, we're not, not all there to be the same, we're all there to be different and mm-hmm. and, to, um, and to to celebrate that and that's, I think, massive for women and girls because probably don't celebrate that enough that we are all different but we're all fantastic and I think that's really quite powerful when you go into girls' schools that... You know, the girls who maybe usually are as good at netball or, or you know, gymnastics can actually really excel at, at rugby. Mm. But equally, the girls who are good at gymnastics and netball also excel. Sure. So um, I think that's massive for our game, really, and something that sets us apart. Yeah. Well... Lois, uh, I think that's all we have time for today. You, you've got to get to work, and, and I've got to hang a waz. I'm, I'm busting here. <laughs> yeah. So, Lois, you've been extremely generous with your time. Uh, good luck with the recovery from the ACL injury, and all the best for the rest of the season for the Rhinos. So thanks so much for your time. Pr- really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for, um, for getting in touch. It's great to speak to you.
Yeah, and hope we can speak again when you're back on the paddock. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hopefully not too far away. Cool. Okay, thanks, Lois. See ya. Perfect. Progressive Rugby League. So there you have it. That's That was Lois Forsell. So thanks so much, Lois. That was really great to chat to you. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Big Al, what did you think? Yeah, loved it. Good yeah, stuff. Good stuff. And actually, we've got another interview next week, so stay tuned. Speaking of Lamport Stadium, we're going to talk about the Lamport Stadium experience. So look out for that next weekend. Did, did it rain? <laughs> it did not rain. The sun was shining. <laughs> so we'll finish off the show talking about... Our prog moms, as we always do. What do you have? So prog moms. So we've, we've already spoken earlier this show about the, the woes of Leeds Rhinos. Mm. But I'd like to point out something that I only learned recently. When I say recently, I mean the last 48 hours about something that the Leeds Rhinos do that is fantastic in terms of rugby league and progressive rugby league. Sure. The Leeds Rhinos Challenge. So this is something that's organized for junior teams, I guess, around Leeds and, and, and that area to experience almost tournament style of play, like a, a going away on, on tour style of play. So this mm-hmm. involves teams uh, comprising of players from under sevens to under fifteens, about 170 junior teams going to a, a certain location where they all bunk together. So they all stay at the one place and they have this giant festival of rugby league over the, over the weekend. So from what I hear, 6,000 participants, I don't know if that includes parents as well, but mm. this is all um, spearheaded by the Leeds Rhinos. And it's a great thing to, for, for, to get young people to embrace the game um, and to show people, to get people involved. I, I was really impressed. And also, again, I'm constantly disappointed that I don't know about these things. <laughs> shame on me and pride on the Leeds Rhinos. You say shame on me a lot. And I think we're going to get a new T-shirt with Big Al <laughs> just on the front with shame on me, shame Progressive on me. Rugby League 2019. How about yeah. that? My prog mom of this week comes from the Archibald Prize, which is Australia's most prestigious portrait painting prize. And this year, Greg Inglis has been featured Now, it's a sort of patchwork quilt-style painting that captures Greg at his best, as well as other elements uh, from his career at the same time. It's quite quite enchanting. Uh, I've looked into rugby league players who have sat for the Archibald, as I did last year, but that last year's list was a bit incomplete, I think. Mm. So this is a more complete, but probably still incomplete, list of rugby league players and coaches who have sat for the Archibald Prize. Greg Inglis. Fui, fui, moi, moi. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. I know. 2014, I think. Alex McKinnon, Anthony yeah. Mundine, Jonathan Thurston. Now, was this Anthony Mundine at, whilst he was a player? Uh, no, he was a boxer. I don't think he counts then. Yeah, but he made his name as a rugby league player. He wouldn't have been a famous boxer if he wasn't a rugby league player, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Thurston. Very good. Wayne Bennett. Ian Roberts, one of the greats. Yeah, of course. And Johnny Raper. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's all I have. So if you want to complete that list ladies and gentlemen please get in touch can i add something to yes. that so i have not been to see the archibald mm. the, the the exhibition ever no of course i have please oh, okay. please i'm an i'm an unofficiando of the archibald <laughs> no of course i have before but not the, the current one. the current showing i've not been i don't think i will um because i've already the only thing i would really be interested in seeing is that portrait of greg inglis and i have seen it because it's on bus stops all over <laughs> sydney and i'm going to say this I don't like it very much. Oh, what? I think they could have done... When, you got, when your subject is Greg Inglis, mm. you could have done so much better with that. I, di- I don't like the style. No. I don't like the, the patchworky quilt thing. Ew. Like, I mean, the whole point of art is to give you some sort of reaction and have you form an opinion mm. about it. 
I don't like it. That's what I'm going to say. I think it's a it's a it's a letdown. Yeah, well, I mean, I so much more could have been done. I couldn't disagree with you more. And look, this is awkward timing because our guest now is the artist who painted that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really joking. But I, you I, set me up, Trevor. <laughs> set me up. I could not disagree more. I think it's fantastic painting. And congratulations to the artist who put it together, whose name escapes me. Uh, look, that is all we have time for on the show this week. Let me say it's been a wonderful show and thank you again to Lels for self for joining us and thank you Miguel and until next week see ya goodbye in rugby league we trust